and joining me right now here on the Mark Moses Show to talk the latest on spring training, which is in full effect now here in Florida and Arizona. It's my good friend Joe Lucia with the Comeback Baseball blog and Awful Announcing. Joe, how you doing today, buddy? Doing very well, Mark. Thanks for having me today. Are you excited? I know you do this for a living, but are you excited that spring training is finally here? I mean, honestly, not really, because uh, spring training games are kind of stupid to watch from home. I really do not care about seeing three innings of starters and then six innings of, like, prospect and non-roster guys. Plus, you know, we still got lots of other sports going on. I'm kind of fully enmeshed in college basketball right now. So uh, once we get to opening day, then I'll get a little more excited. But right now, I uh, don't really care all that much. Full endorsement from Joe Lucia. I like it. I like it. If you were going to spring training camps, would it be a different story then with your answer? Oh, yeah, because when you're in person at spring training, it's like a giant party. I mean, you know, day games, nothing but people relaxing and drinking outside all day. Those are super fun to go to. But actually sitting at home watching on TV is not something that really interests me at all when it comes to spring training. Well, I see that the big headline so far is Shea Otani's with the Dodgers. And he hit a home run yesterday in his first spring training game. Is he the number one story for 2024 then? Uh, yeah, definitely, because he's, you know, still in the same general greater LA market, but he is with the, uh, the far more popular LA team. He's coming off, uh, his second MVP award. He's not going to pitch it all this year because of his Tommy Jones surgery, but based on that record breaking contract he got and just the type of player he is, all eyes are going to be on him with the Dodgers this year, especially after they choked in the playoffs once again. What type of pressure is on Otani and the Dodgers overall to win this year? Yeah, I think there's less pressure on Otani and more on the Dodgers just because, you know, that franchise has been at the top of the National League for something like the last decade, and they've only got one title to uh, show for it, and it was in the pandemic season. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on that team, a lot of pressure on manager Dave Roberts and uh, Someone like Mookie Betts, who's been around and just has not uh, has not been able to get it done in the playoffs. I mean, just adding Otani to that fray doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the World Series. But uh, if they fall short, uh, you know there's going to be some uh, some pressure on Otani, but a lot more on the guys who have been around for the last few years. I like you brought up the manager, and he's been there for a while now. Is it one of those things where if they're not clicking, he might be in trouble? And I know I know it's a crazy question to ask. But with all the money they spent, is all it on that manager? It really is all in on him. I mean, but at the same time, you know, if the Dodgers are in first place in the NL West in June, you know, you're not going to fire Dave Roberts if they only have the second or third best record in uh, the National League. If he doesn't get it done in the playoffs, it's a different story this offseason. But uh, unless they, like, scuffle and fall below 500 or way out of the NL West race, I can't see him getting fired midseason. All right, I get confused by this with Mr. Joe Lucia. So Tani signs this just insane massive deal. But he is he making money this season for the Dodgers? He has an incredibly low contract and he's making a ton of money for endorsements. I believe he has the highest endorsement uh 
value of any MLB player. And then a lot of that contract is uh, deferred to uh, after the whole 10-year term. So he'll he'll get all the $700 million, but he's not getting a lot of it up front, which was his choice, not the Dodgers' choice. What will it look like when you and me are old men? Like, is it worse than Bobby Bonilla? Like, what will happen to this in 15 years? I mean, it's kind of like the Max Scherzer contract with the uh, Nationals. A bunch of that was uh, deferred as well, and we don't really hear much about it because it's kind of something we already know. It's not a huge thing, whereas the Bobby Bonilla deal went like 30 years into the future, and it happened just to buy him out of the contract, whereas something like the Otani deal, instead of like, Ten seven hundred, or we could think of it as like twenty seven hundred, or something along those lines. And it seems a little more understandable on paper for them to commit that much money for still a shorter term than the Benia contract. If you're the commissioner of baseball, should you step in and say like, "We don't want this to be the norm for for free agency"? Like, what should you do if you are the commissioner, Joe? Uh, I mean, I would try to collectively bargain something instead of trying to make uh, one-sided universal edicts, but that's just me. Uh, I really don't know what he can do, because if you do that and say, hey, we're not going to allow uh, deferred money anymore, all you're going to do is encourage players to seek more money up front. So instead of, you know, 10 700 maybe Otani would have gone for – 10, 500 with the Dodgers having to pay all 500 of that million in the next 10 years. That wouldn't put them in a better position for uh, this year and the uh, foreseeable future about constructing a roster. So it might not even be something that the owners want. The owners might like being able to uh, defer money further down the road. Well, yeah, because the owner might not be there. What does he care? He might sell the team. I, if, this is ridiculous. This – I. Dude, if we were in the room together, like if we're the front office of the Dodgers, I would not have done this deal. I'm like, no, this is stupid. I know we're maybe we're going to win, but this might damage us moving forward. What would you have done if you were in the front office? I mean, if I were the Dodgers, I absolutely would have done it for uh, plenty of reasons. They're, they're the Dodgers. They have the biggest local TV deal in baseball, and it's completely guaranteed. So unlike with some of these other teams that are – uh seeing their networks collapse and they're losing that money, they're uh, they're getting it all no matter what, which is a, a huge boon for them. They live in the second biggest media market in the country. Mm-hmm. They're owned by literal billionaires that have money coming out of every orifice. Uh, same guy also owns Chelsea, so you know well about this. Yes. And, uh, you know, with Otani in that market, he brings in so much extra sponsorship revenue, not just uh, not just for him, but for the team as well. Like L.A. has a huge Asian population. Otani's super popular among the Asian community. So a lot of companies focusing on that market will pour even more sponsorship money into the team to help offset what you're paying him. I don't think they're going to win the World Series, though, this year. I don't believe it. Do you? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say no, but uh, subject to change because, I mean, the best team doesn't always win the World Series. The best team doesn't always win the pen. That's a cop-out, but uh, we know this is a truth. Teams that spend crazy like this, I, I, I just – it usually doesn't work. I mean, even – the it's like the Yankees were doing this for years and years and years. 
And then they kind of stopped. I know Steinbrenner passed away after a while and then the sun took over, but I just honestly, I'd rather build a team through a farm system and build up a pitching staff. I know I'm old school in this thing, but like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would do this if I was the Dodgers. I get what you're saying with all the money, but it doesn't guarantee anything for baseball. Is that fair if I say that? I don't disagree with you, but I don't think it's uh, fair uh, to say that about the Dodgers because they have had the best farm system in baseball for years, and uh, they built a lot of that team through their farm system. I mean, and a lot of the guys that uh, they have on their roster now, they acquired by using that farm system, like Mookie Betts, you know. They traded some prospects to get him. Uh, Corey Seager, who is now, of course, with the Rangers on a huge contract of his own. Dodgers let him walk after uh, he came up through their farm system. So it's not just like their roster is, you know, 26 mercenaries brought in from different teams. A lot of these guys, they have used that farm system to uh, acquire them. Great answer. We're here with Joe Lucia, the Comeback Baseball blog. Can a player moving forward say, I want $70 million a year? I mean, sure. On like a short-term deal, I think it's definitely something that could have happened. Uh, the now-banished Trevor Bauer, he always made a big thing about wanting short-term deals for super high uh, amounts of money. Like uh, the deal he signed with the Dodgers, I think, was like three years and $105 million. Uh Ooh. When Scherzer and Verlander signed with the Mets, they got short-term deals for a ridiculous amount of money. So if you have a guy that is that kind of special talent and uh, they want, you know, $70 million over a three-year deal or something along those lines, you have to at least take it into consideration. What do the Angels do from here since they lost Otani? As someone who lives sort of in the shadow of uh, Angel Stadium. I mean, I think they should just burn it all down, sell my trout, start over. But the problem is that uh, they already have so much money to committed to other players. They're just not uh, not doing well. You got this Anthony Rendon deal that wasn't a good deal at the time and isn't a good deal now. And it, it, that really puts them in a tough situation. They don't have enough starting pitching. They don't have any offense past Trout. Yet they'll probably still like stumble to like 76 wins or whatever and theoretically be in contention at the All-Star break and gut their farm system even more to try to compete like they did last year to disastrous effect. If it were me, I would try to strip it down to the bowl, start all over, but with them trying to get a new stadium, that's probably not the best strategy. If you traded Mike Trout, what could you get for him? a lot less than if you traded him three years ago, that's for sure, because of all his injury issues. Like, could you get two top 100 prospects? Yeah, sure, but at the same time, because of how hurt he has been, and when he's been healthy, he hasn't been as elite of a player as he was. I think his market is kind of hampered by that, so you're probably not getting the, like, franchise-changing contract or uh, package you could have gotten had you have traded him two, three years ago when he was still kind of at the peak of his powers. Is it is it more, Joe, about getting rid of his contract from the books? If you could do that, is that what it's really about? I don't think that would be the priority for the Angels just because, like I said, the uh, the contract that Rendon has is 
way worse, way more aggressive in that point of view. I think getting the Trout contract off the books is not the uh, not the main priority for trading him. I think that would be kind of the a uh, a bit of a ridiculous way to uh, trade him. If the Angels would have to eat money to do the deal and get better players, I think they would definitely do that. But uh, yeah, it's really kind of a challenging problem because you got a really good player making a lot of money. Mm. presumably worth what's left on his contract, but at the same time, I mean, there is a non-zero chance he could become a real anchor in the uh, back end of that deal. Wait, wait, is Bobby Bonilla still getting that deal on July 1st? Oh, yeah, I think he still has a few years of it left. I don't think we're uh, awesome. a mess around the woods quite yet. It's so awesome for him. It is. We're here with Joe Lucia, the Comeback Baseball blog. You're there in California, like you said. What is the latest on the Oakland A's? Like, are are they going to be Las Vegas A's, or what's happening? <laughs> I, I like. I, I don't have any particular ill will towards the A's, but the situation is like it is such a disaster, man. Like their lease with the Oakland Coliseum expires after this coming season. Hmm. Their new stadium in. Um, Vegas? Vegas is not supposed to be ready for another, like, three years. They haven't even, like, started groundbreaking on it yet. So they need a short-term lease somewhere. The city of Oakland does not want to play ball, obviously. And uh, there's a scenario where they could have to play somewhere else for, like, three seasons while this stadium is being constructed, which isn't even a guarantee because of – lawsuits filed in the state of Nevada and Las Vegas. Uh, And if they move too far away from the Bay Area, their current TV deal could be null and void, which would deprive them of even more revenue. It really just is a complete mess of the situation. I feel like the team's ownership just did not think this through before they went ahead and decided to uh, move the franchise. There are so many little things that they just, I guess, forgot that they had to worry about, and it really is a mess for them. It reminds me of when the Houston Oilers became the Tennessee Titans, where I think I think the first year they played in Memphis, like they didn't even have they didn't even start in Nashville the first year. And then they were still the Oilers that first season and then moved over. I this is a disaster. Okay, this is more of a broad sports question. Is Oakland the worst sports city where they lost the Raiders? And the Golden State Warriors, who moved to San Francisco, and now the A's. This has happened in our lifetime. Are they the worst sports city? Um, I really don't think so, because you look at some of these other cities that have had multiple teams move. I mean, Atlanta lost two hockey teams, which yes. is kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> They've given the Braves uh, three stadiums in, I think, what, 50 years or something like that. Mm. Uh, Washington, D.C. lost two baseball teams. They lost a football team to the suburbs. Uh, they might lose their basketball and hockey teams also to the suburbs. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, various cities with various issues. Uh, but the Oakland situation is really rough because, you know, they don't want to pour public money into uh, refurbishing or building these new stadiums when you got the Coliseum that admittedly is kind of a dump, but they've already spent hundreds of millions of dollars over the years to refurbish it. So, uh, yeah, it's really tricky. Can we put 
the Chargers back in San Diego. Can we do that, please? Uh, I mean, I don't think San Diego would have them at this point, and uh, they're trying to establish themselves in L.A. I mean, it, it really isn't working there. Way behind the Rams in that department, but mm. uh, they're kind of really committed to SoFi, that brand-new gorgeous stadium. So uh, I don't think the Chargers are going anywhere anytime soon. And and they're all in on Justin Herbert. Like, he's the greatest thing ever. So they got him Harbaugh. Uh, I mean, I mean he, he's great, but... He uh, hasn't proven he can carry the team in, no. uh, in his career so far. They have had too many coaching issues, too many holes on both sides of the ball. It's not really worked well for him. Notice all these things are California teams we're talking about. I know that's where you live. It's just fascinating to me. It is. Like, I, I understand the Raiders are in Las Vegas, but the history of that franchise, I would not be shocked if they moved back to California. But I, I know that could be in 20 years. I, I don't think it'd be that crazy. They leave Vegas after a while. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I will also say Vegas from L.A. and or Oakland and a lot of places in California is like an hour plane ride. Are they? When you fly from Southwest from where I live to Vegas, like they don't even do drink service. They put you up in the air, then you're on the ground. Are they building a super train that's going from L.A. to Vegas? Is that happening? Uh, they're trying, which is, I mean, if it happens, it's going to be awesome, but they're, uh, you know, still in the works. It's going to cost a lot of money. And, uh, sure. you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of pitfalls, but it's something that is gaining something. That's up. <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to preview more baseball, but I have a bigger question for you. Are you, are you okay after what happened to your Baltimore Ravens last month? I'm finally getting over it, but it took me a while. Like when I was watching that not great Super Bowl, I'm sitting there thinking the Ravens would have whooped both of these teams if they would have just run the ball against the Chiefs. It really took a while for me to get over it. You but are... you know, I think I'm finally I think I'm finally no. there. You'll but never man, it, it you'll really never hurt. You'll never get over it. I hope you know that. I've been there. It's not fun. Well, no. See, here's the thing. I'll get over it. Like, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl next year, I'll be over it. Like, I didn't think I would ever be over the Billy Cundiff debacle 12 years ago. Mm. But you know what? The next year, a worse Ravens team went into New England, beat Patriots in the AFC Championship, won the Super Bowl. I got over Billy Cundiff. If that happens again with the Ravens this coming year, I will get over the uh, – Chiefs game. Is that the worst loss in the history of the Ravens? No, 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 no. Definitely not. The uh, the Billy Cundiff game was way worse. That was horrible. Why? Because that, you were right that, there? Okay, well, the Billy Cundiff game in the AFC title game, like, with 30 seconds left, I think we were down three, and it was second or third down. Flacco throws to Lee Evans. Perfect touchdown pass. Lee Evans drops the ball. It, like, not even, like, under huge pressure or anything, just straight-up drops it would have won us the game. Then they botch the play, and the kicker comes running on, and he misses a 25-yard field goal that would have tied the game since overtime. After that game, I was catatonic. I did not speak for an hour. When... Whereas, whereas this game against the Chiefs, it was 
there were so many ups and downs, so many little things went wrong that could have changed the game. Uh, there's not one defining factor that just hangs in your head forever. All right. When, when you're diving to the end zone for the touchdown and then it says it's a fumble, was that the game right there? Honestly, no, because after that play, the Ravens still had shots and just couldn't get it, couldn't get to uh, where they needed to get to, man. Like, it's kind of wild that even after such a brutal play, they still had a chance to send the game to overtime late in the fourth quarter. It's not like that happened and the game was immediately over, like, uh, it's that uh, goal line pick in the Super Bowl between the uh, Seahawks and Patriots. Like the game was still going on. The Ravens still had several shots after that. It, it and, and was they, just like I said, it was just one of many things that uh, will linger for a while. And the Chiefs were doing nothing on offense. Nothing. They kept punting you the ball back. You so you could have just kicked field goals after a while. And won the game. I I do think that strategy by the Chiefs was by design. They did not want to uh, try something big, turn the ball over, and give the Ravens great field positioning. I think they were playing super conservatively after they took the lead so as, uh, as not to give the Ravens a way back in the game. But that strategy really right. kind of didn't work because the Ravens had so many shots. Uh, but, you know, Zay Flowers gets the ridiculous taunting penalty. Awful. Fumbles at the goal line, diving in. For some reason, Lamar throws in the triple coverage in the end zone. So many things went wrong. See, what I don't understand is the week before, you're taking on the Texans, and you guys come out flat, and it's a game at halftime. Then you make the adjustments like, hey, we're going to get back to Ravens football. And you did. But then it's like you didn't learn from that game. And you, it was, it literally, and I know, I, look, I know that's your team. I know this hurts to have this conversation. It felt like in that second half, you guys were in panic mode and it was like the two minute drill. And I'm like, hey, it's halfway through the third. There's plenty of time. Just run the football. And no. And then stupid Chiefs win again. I'm, you're right. You're right. You'll have one more shot next year. I understand. And what really bothers me is that there are like I'm I'm not sure how confirmed this was, but apparently a lot of the plays being called were like quasi RPOs where Lamar could have handed the ball off and every time he chose to throw. He wanted to play he wanted to play hero ball yes. and it almost worked, but man, like just just let it go, man. Just run the ball, let Gus Edwards get touches. I think this offseason they're going to sign a proven running back. Losing J.K. Dobbins in week one again hurt again. Mm. Whereas if they signed someone like Derrick Henry, I think they would be uh, far more inclined to feed him, let him feast and run the ball. And these situations, like we saw, would not happen again. And you have to come out and just annihilate people. They're, they're like just you're on a mission. There's no messing around for 18 straight weeks. That's what you need yeah, to do. What, what really stinks about losing the Chiefs game and not winning the Super Bowl is, like, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, this is talked about as one of the greatest teams of all time because of what they did. They beat, I want to say, 11. They won, I think, 11 games against playoff teams. 
I think they were all by double digits. They were just trucking teams all season, beating the crap out of everyone. Yes. But it doesn't matter because of how uh, how season ended. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. His name is Joe Lucia, the comeback baseball blog and awful announcing. He will come on again. We will talk more baseball this spring. Thank you so much for your help and have a great day. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it.